1: hello and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast it is a monday edition and i am joined by dennis we're going to be looking at all of the spectacular week two action plus we're getting ready for a double header on monday night Well, not a true double headers since both games will be playing at the same time just to make uh, everything difficult for the rest of us but before we dive into that dennis how was your weekend Man, my weekend
2: was fantastic. Watched a lot of football. Stayed ahead of the honey do list, so I was able to watch a lot of football. Uh, The Buckeyes won in smashing fashion, so that's always a positive note. Unfortunately, my Browns and my Lions did not have that same fate.
1: Oh, the Lions won. Did they? Yeah. Okay. My bad.
2: Oh oh I was looking at I read I misread the commander scores 37 I thought they no all right my lions won yeah hell yeah
1: I was like the lions finally you know favored at home in one of these games pulled it out well you know since you since you name check them uh, that those are actually the first two teams we're going to look at we'll we'll start in Cleveland Uh, where I don't know if you saw some of the pictures, but uh, they definitely had some fans with some strong feelings uh, about their new franchise quarterback who's currently suspended uh, making the rounds of the internet. That was an interesting way to start the game. But in the actual game, the Browns were up uh, for a while. They seemed to be doing well. And then wouldn't you know, Mr. Elite himself, Joe Flacco, brings the Jets all the way back, and he did that in large part thanks to a huge game from rookie receiver Garrett Wilson, an Ohio State product. Uh, He caught eight passes for 102 yards and two touchdowns, including the game winner in a 31-30 win. Dennis, how are we feeling about Garrett Wilson?
2: Well, I think as long as Joe Flacco's starting, I'm going to feel pretty good. If we got Joe Flacco for week three, you know (laughs) – they threw the ball 59 times in week one and I felt like 40 was the max for week two and they threw it 44 times. Now they had 20 rush attempts. I, I got to believe that Sala wants to get that balance better. He he definitely wants to, you know, pull the run game in and, and be, have that be more of a part, you know, I, I don't think anybody's wanting to go six 60 plus, 40, you know, 62, 38, or whatever it is uh, in your run-pass balance. Uh, But if you're winning, I suppose, you know, Garrett Wilson looked great. Uh, He he did. The 14 targets were a lot. Uh, I would have liked to see him to be a little bit more efficient. But when it counted, he produced. Corey Davis got a long one on a blown coverage. Elijah Moore was somewhat productive. He had five targets, three catches. Tyler Conklin what his second straight week with nine targets you know it's the the um, running backs didn't get the 19 targets this week so uh dropping from 59 to 44 uh, it seems that that's who uh, ultimately suffered in, in the target tower was the uh, the running backs but Garrett Wilson is is looking really good Uh I do think that it's a situation where they've got three really good wide receivers, and next week it could just as easily be him with the five targets and three catches for 41 yards.
1: Yeah, I was encouraged, though. Um, he, he got a few targets week one. You know, he's a rookie coming in. I have some high hopes. A lot of us had some high hopes about whether he could thrive. You are right, though. The big question is going to be how does this offense change when, if and when Zach Wilson goes back there? On the other side of the ball, we uh, we got a great game from Nick Chubb. He got three rushing touchdowns, which was great. Amari Cooper, 10 targets, caught nine passes. But I want to talk about our friend David Njoku. We had hoped to see him kind of take a step forward this year. They got rid of Austin Hooper. They gave Njoku a long-term contract ascension. That seemed to be a promising sign. Jacoby Brissett in the past has been good with tight ends, but – Njoku maybe a little bit more involved this week. Got five targets, caught three for 32, but how are you feeling about him as a potential weekly play?
2: Unfortunately, I think you got to dial it back a little bit on um on Njoku. I think he's gonna be fine in the long term. It's a function of how that offense is running. Now, I, I know we we are all believers that. Uh, Jacoby Brissett tends to target his tight end. It it hasn't played out that way so far this year. Um, Amari Cooper had a lot of targets. What did he have? Uh, 10 targets caught nine of them last weekend. Donovan Peoples Jones had 11 targets. So they're, they're, they're not passing a lot. I mean, set only threw the ball 27 times this week. Uh, he didn't pass it a lot. I mean, they, 37 rushes, 27 um, passes. It's kind of the opposite of what the New York Jets did. Now, when you've got Nick Chubb putting up the kind of numbers he did, I think that, that makes it kind of easy. But, uh, you know, I think Njoku's going to be fine in the long run, and he's going to settle in at that back end, tight end one uh area you know maybe front end tight end too i still believe
1: yeah tight end to me is such a fungible position it's hard to know what we're gonna get but i still uh, am interested in joku like you uh, your team, your other team, the Detroit Lions, favored at home. Won at home, thirty-six to twenty-seven over the Washington Commanders. Uh, the Commanders uh, made it a pretty good game. Another decent passing game from Carson Wentz. But what about Antonio Gibson? He only had fourteen carries for twenty-eight yards. Does fall into the end zone for a touchdown. A couple receptions for thirteen yards. Brian Robinson, the the. Word is this week he actually started working out and maybe working his way toward practicing again. J.D. McKissick heavily involved. Should we be concerned again about Antonio Gibson's role? My
2: contention all offseason was that Robinson, if he took over as the early down back, that Gibson, with his explosiveness and ability to operate in the open field, was going to move into the J.D. McKissick role he was going to be a more explosive J.D. McKissick. I still think that maintains that if if Robinson comes back and seizes a hold of that that, uh, inside running back, that early down running back job, that McKissick does pop outside and uh, play more in the passing game as the pass-catching running back. So I'm not terribly concerned about it. Now, that's not to say that McKissick isn't going to have some games where – he gets in there and they perceive him as having the hot hand in the passing game. And so they just leave him in. And that, that ends up not being good for Gibson. Uh, But I think Gibson is, he's doing all of the things he needs to do. What uh, 54% of the snaps versus 46 for McKissick. Um, I I think he's going to be fine. I I like him better as an RB high end RB three um, But we'll have to kind of wait and see how it plays out when Robinson gets back.
1: Yeah, I, I thought Gibson had a chance in this early part of the season to maybe uh, seize upon a defined role, and we haven't seen a lot of great production these first two weeks, so definitely something to watch. On the flip side, the, the Lions looked really good, thanks in large part to the sun god. Amon Ra St. Brown. He was their leading rusher, two carries for 68 yards, thanks to a 58-yard end-around, saw 12 targets, caught nine of them for 116 yards and two touchdowns. Jamison Williams was drafted. He'll be back at some point. Does it matter? Nope.
2: Uh, I think Williams can be productive, and he will be productive. He's he's the explosive deep threat, and I think that the team is going to need both players. Amon Ra St. Brown is a really good player. Uh, he's good in the short area. He's good in the intermediate and he he doesn't quite have the top end that Jamison Williams has. I, I think what, when Williams gets back and with Aman Ross St. Brown there, they're, what they're going to be lacking is a big receiver. Now well, that doesn't mean you have to have one out there all of the time, but you need somebody that's going to be that guy that catches those, those uh, high point fades in short areas. And I don't know that, uh, Amon Ra or Jamison Williams are going to be those guys but I, I'm not worried about it Uh I mean the guy is balling out and Dan Campbell seems like the kind of guy that's smart enough to
1: keep giving uh Amon Ra St. Brown the ball Yeah he has looked incredible what a find you know, for those of us that got him a little bit later in rookie drafts I mean he
2: rushed twice for 68 yards he had that 58 yard run I was,
1: I was being serious he was the leading rusher yesterday uh, on to another divisional battle. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do prevail with Tom Brady over the New Orleans Saints, twenty to ten. His first regular season win. Uh, this one was a lot closer than even the score might indicate. At the end, it was three nothing well into the third quarter. Uh, last week, we tended to think that uh, Dallas was just bad after their performance on Sunday night. But after seeing this Bucks defense go in and do something similar to New Orleans. Should they be a defense to be feared? Um, I,
2: I think so. You know, they've got Devin Bush. Uh, I, I was a little bit concerned with the interior of their line. They didn't bring back any of the big names. But, you know, they've got players who are making plays. Uh, Joe Tryon, I uh, forget how to – without having it in front of me, is, is hyphen, his hyphen name. Um, but they've got guys that are making plays and um, it's that's
1: I'm not even sure, even if you had it in front of you, you'd pronounce it. Um,
2: You know, they've got guys they're playing as a team and they're making plays. And I think, you know, when we talk about the Bengals, we'll see they added a lot of talent on their offensive line, but they're not playing as a team. Sometimes not having those superstars can be good because then, People have to play up to their their capacity, and I think Tampa's defense is is doing that right now. Um, I think their offense has has some work to do, but their defense is definitely um, meeting expectations.
1: Any concern? Um, you know, if you guys saw the game, Mike Evans uh, and uh, I just blanked on this. Uh, Mark, 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 Marshawn Lattimore Marshall had and uh, had another uh, incident. Mike Evans now suspended for a week cause for concern in week three for the Bucks.
2: Uh I guess we'll have to see if uh, if Godwin is back. You know, I'm sure that Byron Leftwich will scheme it up. They've got guys, you know, Scotty Miller stepped up and caught a couple balls. Russell Gage is there. They, they paid him handsomely to join the team. I think um, Julio was out too, right? Yeah, so. I think he did end up being out. So they'll have some some players that are, are functional. They may not be the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones level, but I think if, if Godwin and Jones are back next week, I don't think they sweat it at all. And if they're not, you know, Brashad Rashad Perriman stepped right in, caught a touchdown. He brings a certain element to the game that uh, some of the other guys don't Scotty Miller, when given opportunity seems to make plays. I mean, Miller single-handedly ran uh, Tyler Johnson out of town. So they, they do have some depth there. Um, Jalen Darden, who's mostly been a special teamer, but he's he's in the system now for his second season. So they do have some guys that they can plug in. And then they've got Leonard Fournette. So
1: we'll go to the flip side and the New Orleans Saints. You you mentioned it a little bit. Their offense has some things to work out. Second consecutive game, Jameis had a role. Slow and uneven start, and then we saw what has seemingly plagued Jameis much of his career, which was the killer interceptions. He ended up being picked off three times, one of which was returned for a touchdown that kind of put the game out of reach. Cause for concern about the offense in New Orleans?
2: Well, I think not having um, Alvin Kamara is definitely a – was definitely not a way you wanted to approach the, the Buccaneers. You know, they ended up only running the ball 20 times, throwing it 40. So they were out of balance. Mark Ingram, he did, he did well when he ran it 10 times for 60 yards. So he was very productive. Um, But the passing game, uh, if you're going to throw it on a two to one level, I think you want to, you want more than 236 yards and one touchdown. So with Jameis, there's always some concern uh, because he believes in his arm um, and he believes what he sees, and he historically doesn't always see things right. So, you know, he's going to have some games like that, and he's going to go through some stretches. We'll see. Uh, I I think if you have him, you know, preseason, well, we had him low-end QB2, maybe high-end QB3. I think that's still where he is. Um, I I think this may be his last starting contract, though.
1: Yeah, you know, they have better receivers. I've been encouraged, especially Michael Thomas got into the end zone again and looked good. But you had to wonder, without Sean Payton there, would Jameis be able to continue his progression? Coming off that injury, uh, you know, there's been some worrying signs of concern. So we'll have to see how that plays out for New Orleans. Two other teams that clashed. Uh, next up, the Carolina Panthers went into New York to face the Giants, who prevailed in their home opener, winning 19 to 16 to move to two and zero under Brian Dable. We will get to the Giants in a minute, but first we need to talk about Baker Mayfield. In Week One, he said he was going to come out and f up his former team, the Browns, and if by f up he meant give them all the encouragement in the world they needed to win the game, then that was correct. Didn't look spectacular yesterday. 14 of 29, 145 yards passing. Did have throw a touchdown, no interceptions. Sacked a couple times. Did have 35 yards on six carries. This team's 0-2. Two games that you would have figured looked uh, decently winnable to start the season with a tougher schedule coming. Should the Panthers and Matt Rule be concerned about their ability to win with Baker Mayfield? I think the Panthers need to be concerned about their ability to win with Matt rule.
2: Uh, I, I think, well, Baker, Baker definitely has a not high ceiling in his production. Uh, when you add Matt rule to the mix, that puts a, uh, that kind of tamps down that ceiling even a little more. I don't think Matt rule is a great coach. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 15 carries for 102 yards pitched in, you know, four catches for 26. McCaffrey did his part. DJ Moore only had six targets. Robbie Anderson had five targets. You know, they, it it almost seemed like they, they were afraid to throw the ball. They only threw it 29 times and Baker didn't complete 50% of his passes. Uh, I, I think this game was won by Brian Dable. I mean, he just, all things considered, I think the talent on both sides of the ball uh, in both locker rooms is pretty even. And it just comes down to the the New York Giants getting the most out of their mediocre players versus uh, the Carolina Panthers not getting the most out of
1: their mediocre players. Yeah. And I thought even with, Baker, the, the Panthers are going to be mediocre and this was going to be rules last season and nothing I've seen through two weeks makes me feel good.
2: I mean, seats are getting hot fast in the NFL.
1: Yeah, we'll wait uh, another surprising one further down there. So Coach, I think, should be on the hot seat I'll ask you about. But on the flip side, the Giants, 2-0. and um, You know, a workmanlike game from Daniel Jones wasn't incredible but was pretty efficient. Uh, same from Saquon Barkley. We didn't see the high highs of last week. But decent. Richie James. Do, just doing work out there, Sterling Shepard catching some passes. Are the Giants at two and zero? Are they better than we thought they might be?
2: No, I think they're winning. You know, they don't have a t- great team. They're winning games against not good teams. They're they're playing just good enough to win. They're laying a foundation under Brian Dayball. You know, Dayball was there with with uh, McDermott and, you know, he was, he's coached under Saban and I think he went in and he, I, Dayball, I don't think has high expectations for win totals this year. So his focus is we're going to do things the right way to establish how we're going to do things moving forward. And so he's trying to put the players in position to maximize what their abilities are. I mean, David Sills had four targets, caught three passes. Richie James, I, I, I bet there
1: are a lot of people who didn't know he was still in the league. Um hey, based on uh, the amount of people tuning into a Panthers Giants game, there are probably still a lot of people who don't
0: know. He's
2: right. <laughs> you know, Sterling Shepard has always been productive when healthy. He just is he is injured so frequently that it's kind of hard to to hang your hat on him. I roster Shepard in a couple spots and I'm kind of playing him now while I have him because I just don't think I'm going to have him in a few weeks. Uh, But he's getting, you know, Jones had rushed the rush for 21 yards. I'd like to see more than 176 yards passing on 34 attempts and 22 completions. Um, And it wouldn't surprise me if any day now, Kenny Galladay gets cut.
1: Yeah. You know, reports uh, were, I don't know if you watch football night in America, but there were some reports that post game Kenny Galladay cleaned out his locker. Probably not a great sign. Um, You mean he picked up the box they had packed all of
2: his shit in and took it with him?
1: Could be. (laughs) I am happy for Brian Dable. I liked him as a coach. I thought it was a tough situation. I'm with you though. I, don't think ultimately we're seeing uh, the Giants in the playoffs, but it is a nice story for now. Two teams that were in the playoffs last year uh, clashed in Pittsburgh on Sunday. The New England Patriots came in 0 1, hoping to avoid going to 0 2, and battled the 1 0 Pittsburgh Steelers. And you know what? We saw gunslinger Mac Jones just kidding he did throw for 252 yards he did have a few plays down the field the big recipient of that was nelson aguilar who saw six targets and caught them all for 110 yards including 144 yard touchdown pass dennis we've talked about how the patriots offense is an enigma do you have any warm feelings toward nelson aguilar
2: the hatred of a thousand white hot suns count as a warm feeling. <laughs> I mean, I really could have used that touchdown. Going like to Jacoby Myers. Right I, I really could have used that touchdown going to Jacoby Myers. If we're being perfectly honest here. Um, no, I, I think Nelson Aguilar is what he is at this stage of his career. He's still fast. He's still going to catch some of the balls. Um, And occasionally he's going to make a play like that, that looks fantastic. And it just doesn't give me hope anymore with Nelson Aguilar. Nelson Aguilar is the perfect wide receiver three for a team that I'm tanking. So I can get the one Oh one, you know, he's going to be out there each week. He's going to get snaps. He's going to get a few targets and occasionally he'll put up, you know, 75 yards and a touchdown, uh, but he's not going to you know he's not going to put my fantasy team on his back and carry me to victory. He's not somebody I can count on. It just is what it is. Jacoby Myers is the the wide receiver you want in New England uh, regardless of the you know can't score touchdowns perception. Myers is going to be fine.
1: Meanwhile, DeVonte Parker, Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith combined 6 targets, zero receptions wither your Mm -hmm. fantasy teams.
2: They only threw it 35 times. It's
1: still not great. On the flip side, the Steelers' offense looked, uh, well, it sort of existed. Offensive? uh, Second week week in a row. There were chants for Kenny Pickett uh, during the game on Sunday, and afterward Mike Tomlin made references to needing more explosion. Are we getting closer to the end of the Mitch Trubisky era?
2: I mean, we've, we've always been close to the end of the Mitch Trubisky era. I feel like they really want Trubisky to make it through the year so that Pickett can get a year of seasoning. You know, Pickett isn't uh, – he's not a high-level prospect. He was the only first-round pick. He was a late first-round pick. Um, that being said, you don't have to be an early first-round pick to be a successful NFL quarterback or even a really, really good NFL quarterback. It kind of does help, but um, I think Pickett will get some opportunities. But some of it's going to depend on can the Steelers turn things around? It's, you know, their, their defense is built upon a star at each level, and they, they've they lost T.J. Watt at that second level. Somebody's going to have to step up and be that that guy, Um and I don't know that that happened this weekend, so they'll keep working on it. But it—I I don't know. I don't have a um, a timeline that I expect Pickett to be in there. I, I think at some point, when, if you know, when the Steelers are clearly eliminated from playoff contention, then I think we probably see Pickett. Uh, but as long as Mitch is playing well, even. You know, if, if Mitch is playing well and they're not winning, uh, we may st- see Trubisky even l- a little longer than we expect.
3: Lately, I've been listening to a lot of my favorite sports podcasts using Raycon's Wireless 3 Airbuds. Raycon's everyday Airbuds look, feel, and sound better. Better than ever, actually. With optimized gel tips and a perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, they will not budge whenever you're moving around. Trust me. I work on a job that requires me to move 24-7. They're never falling out of my ear, which I appreciate. Not only that, but Raycon gives you 8 hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life. Raycons are priced just right to get the quality audio at half the price. Other premium audio brands charge you a lot and no it's no wonder why raycon's everyday earbuds have over fifty thousand five five star reviews my favorite things about them the earbud tap function when i'm sitting there talking to somebody and didn't realize that my podcast is still going i can quickly just tap the button to stop what i'm doing noise isolation as well is incredible for me i get to some loud Environment sometimes, and I'm able to actually just listen and hear just what I want to, which is my sports stuff. They're telling me what I need to know to continue moving about my day. I use them all the time, whether I'm working out, working, or honestly just sitting at home and listening to sports podcasts, sometimes some music to get in the mood. I'm not going to lie to you guys, a little bit of Harry Styles. It's not the same as it was. It gets me going. I love that kind of music. It puts me in a working kind of atmosphere at home when I'm working on everything for the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Go to buyraycon.com slash tppn today to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash tppn to score 15% off. Again, buyraycon.com slash tp and some of the best headphones that I have used to go get them today. They're worth it, guys. Go get them.
1: Yeah, I'll be the first to admit, Trubisky hasn't looked incredible, but I don't think he's the only problem with Pittsburgh's offense, and I'm not sure just slapping Kenny Pickett in there is going to be the magic tonic they need. I still – we mentioned it last year. That offensive line hasn't gotten demonstrably better. Najee Harris uh, not finding a lot of creases either. Now to another surprising result. Uh, this one had us uh, making a few comments in the uh, Twitter chat on Sunday. The Indianapolis Colts went down to Jacksonville looking for their first win, and you know what? They went home still seeking it. They were blown out and dominated 24 to nothing. And as somebody pointed out, they're and one but they're one decent quarter away from being 0-2 after facing a 17-point deficit to the Houston Texans last week. During the offseason, it seemed like the Colts were placing a lot of the blame for their 2021 shortfalls on Carson Wentz, who they dealt to the Washington Commanders. They brought in Matt Ryan. And it's a new quarterback, but seemingly the same result. Is it time to worry about the Colts? And more importantly, should Frank Reich be on the hot seat?
2: I I think Reich is on the hot seat. Uh, I, I just don't know how how you run Jonathan Taylor just nine times, even if you're losing. Now they they only ran what thirty nine plays. Matt Ryan was sixteen for thirty. Um, it's the three interceptions. To me, I think some of that is Jacksonville is starting to to feel their oats. They're bowing up and they're. They're like, what do we have to lose? Nobody expects anything from us. And so guys are just going out there and trying to make plays. Uh, And and they – I I think with Jacksonville, the guys that were there last year are so relieved for the coaching experience they have this year that they're willing to just go out and do whatever that coaching staff says right now. Down the road, that's going to change. Guys are going to be like – uh, you know, we've heard enough of Doug Peterson, and uh, I forget who the D- D coordinator is there. But right now, Jacksonville is just relieved to be in a professional environment, and the guys are playing hard. Trevor Lawrence is is playing well. 25 for 30 with two touchdowns, 235 yards. That's, I mean, that's the kind of efficiency that you want out of a quarterback, if you don't have a mad bomber that's making big plays down the field, you just want them to be able to convert all the short stuff. And that's kind of what Trevor Lawrence has done uh, against the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. And the defense played great. They got the three interceptions. They It didn't help that Michael Pittman wasn't in there. And for the life of me, I don't know what happened to Paris Campbell I mean, he went milk carton, and I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, so that's – I'll start with the Colts. I am with you. I think Frank Reich probably should be on the hot seat. The only difference between him and Matt Rule is one season where they limped into the playoffs with Phillip Rivers. He changes quarterbacks every year. He's seemingly – Blames the quarterback situation for whatever shortcomings. But I also think somebody that should be on the hot seat is Chris Ballard, their GM. They have consistently not managed to place offensive weapons around. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a great pick. I love Michael Pittman, but they have struggled to fill that wide receiver tight end slot. They, their offensive line has noticeably degraded. I think that is a real problem when you start getting these older, more statuesque quarterbacks like Matt Ryan. But you're right, like Paris Campbell, that that was just a, a flat miss. We haven't seen a lot from Alec Pierce. They didn't get any notable free agents. I mean, Campbell led the wide receivers in snaps. And he got and two, targets. two targets. and no receptions. Yeah, I I don't know what to make of that. On on Jacksonville, I, I do agree with you. I think the coaching change sparks some things. I like what we're seeing from Lawrence. I really – we made jokes about it, but Christian Kirk might have been worth every dime they paid him. 12 receptions, 195 yards, two touchdowns. He's currently wide receiver five through two games. I think he's in for a top 24 finish. He could be a guy that's a surprise top 12 finisher. Their offenses look great. James Robinson – He's such a fun story. I I mean, it's I. It's almost hard not to root for the Jaguars. And seeing what the state of the NFC South or AFC South is, and the way the Colts look, the way the Titans look last week, and and Houston, you know, maybe the Jaguars are that team that can get to nine wins and get into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, I with James Robinson, I'm baffled. I was watching that when he broke off that touchdown run yesterday. And I, you know, my, my mantra is if he gets 800 yards this year, he's the outlier. Now, I I don't think in the off season that, you know, I don't think you bet on outliers to be, you know, to lead your fantasy team. And that's what, what uh, Robinson, what will be is an outlier. And, but I mean, he's on, he's on track to have a really good season And uh, he's putting Travis Etienne in his place.
1: It's in his place is the bench,
2: right? You know, it's and so I'm just like, well, what the heck? What are we gonna do here now? I like I I like Etienne as a prospect. I like him in the open field. Uh, You know, he's had a couple bad drops in the receiving game, but Robinson's just going out there and making plays. He's got great vision. You know, he never had a ton of burst, and that was never part of his game. But when he gets through the hole, he's got just enough speed to turn those 10-yard runs into
1: 35-yard runs. So from uh, one of the most shocking results to possibly the best game of Sunday, and that was in Baltimore where the 1-0 Ravens hosted the 1-0 Dolphins. And what turned out – to be an incredible shootout, Tua Tagovailoa went for 199 yards and four touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone as the Dolphins won 42 to 38. The big recipients there were Tyree Hill and Jalen Waddle, each of them caught 11 passes and two touchdowns. Hill going for 190, Waddle going for 171. We talked about all offseason who would finish higher. Was there enough volume after two weeks? seeing these explosive plays, can both these guys be wide receiver ones? I I think they can. I don't think they will. I think they'll cool
2: off. Um, I don't know how many shootouts they're going to get into. Um, You know, they they were down big, and it looked like it was going to be a blowout. And, uh, you know, to to his credit, brought him back. You know, he completed two really long passes to Tyreek Hill. One of them was pretty underthrown. But those, it looked exactly like the off-season passes we saw it them, you know, showing. Hey, look how great this is, and everybody go. He had to practically stop to catch it because it was so underthrown. No, it was a deep. Yeah, that was exactly what it was. He, but he threw it to a spot where there wasn't a defender. Tyreek saw it coming and he made the play. Uh, I, I think they can. I'm probably more. Of the thought that one will be a low-end wide receiver one, and one will be a mid-wide receiver two. My preseason rankings—I I think I had him at wide receiver 13 and 14 back to back. They're both going to get opportunities. They are the two guys there uh, that are that that offense runs through. It doesn't run through. You know, we can talk about Mike McDaniel being a run game savant all we want. That offense runs through Tyreek
1: Hill and Jalen Waddle. Yeah, they this they have a semi atrocious running game right now, but not as bad as the Baltimore Ravens. I know you, like me, were uh, a little bit forlorn that we did not get to see J.K. Dobbins, who they held out for another week. Lamar ran nine times for 119 yards. He had one, two, three, four, five other people carry the ball, including Mark Andrews. And in those 16 carries, they got 36 yards combined. How much is this offense missing, J.K. Dobbins? It's missing him him a lot. I mean,
2: and I I don't know if it's that these backs who've been around the NFL, they just don't have it or they're just not gelling with the Ravens' offensive line or offensive scheme. Drake hasn't been there but, what, three weeks now? Davis has only been there five weeks. Justice Hill made a couple of nice runs. Um, I don't think he's ever going to get the kind of run that James Robinson did, but he looked like he could be one of these Achilles recovery guys that comes back and is productive. He just was never going to get the kind of volume Robinson will, and so I, I don't think we will necessarily count it. Um, but yeah, they need they need a running back that, that can get the job done, and uh, hopefully Dobbins is back next week. I have sig- a significant amount of J.K. Dobbins that I was
1: scrambling to fill this week. Yeah, and I also think it's a worrying sign if they have to go back to having Lamar Jackson be their running game, be their everything. So I'm I'm like you, I'm hoping to see a little J.K. Dobbins. The you afternoon? Just call, you just call and- him short. No, uh, no. I just think it's it's not a great sign for their offense. It right. has to be everything. The afternoon games had some surprising results. None more surprising than the Bengals going in to face the Cowboys. Uh, we had this one. We knew exactly what was going to happen. An angry Bengals team, fresh off of being in the Super Bowl last year, facing a dac Cowboys team with no prospects. Surely uh, going to be a one-sided affair. And you know what? For a lot of the game, it was, but not the one-sided affair we were expecting. The Bengals came back and tied the game, but the Cowboys, uh, behind uh, God's gift to quarterbacking, Cooper Rush, managed to come down and get the 20-17 victory. But we will get to our man, Cooper Rush, in a minute. First, the Bengals... Joe Burrow held under 200 yards passing, sacked six times again. He's on pace to be sacked 110 times in 17 games. I'm no math expert, but that seems like a lot. Is this Super Bowl hangover or is this becoming a worrying sign for the Bengals? Yes. Um, last week, I was I, I, honestly, I was like, you know, it, it was a close
2: game. They lost at the end. This this week, you know, their their offensive line, which is where they invested most of their um, capital in during the offseason, just has not gelled. And line, there's offensive lines out there that don't have the talent that Cincinnati does that are playing much better. I think they're going to be fine. That's going to be a focus. They're, they're going to get it together. But. Burrow needs to do himself a couple favors and get rid of the damn ball. I I get it that you've got a couple really nice deep threats, but man, use those short guys. Zach Taylor needs to scheme up some short stuff. Let's get the ball out of Burrow's hands and let let players make plays.
1: Yeah, you know, Pittsburgh, Cleveland – Baltimore, Buffalo, Kansas City, the Chargers—all teams that have some decent uh, pass rush. Options. A bit of a cause for concern for Joe Burrow. I'm also not totally sold on Zach Taylor's ability to uh, make adjustments. Um, so I think if I'm a if I'm a Bengals fan or if I'm uh, you know. Hoping for great production out of the Bengals, I think that's something that's going to have to get solved. On the flip side, Cooper Rush last year filled in for Dak one week and managed to get the win in Minnesota. Comes out for his second start and pulls off a huge win over the Bengals that nobody expected. Is Cooper Rush better than we thought? I mean, it
2: seems like there's a new ginger ninja in town. That's for damn sure. Uh, you know, Rush 19 of 31 is – Not great. He only had one touchdown, but what he didn't do is he didn't make mistakes. Um, He was playing behind a, an offensive line, missing Tyron Smith. That's been pieced together. Doesn't have uh, some guys because of injuries. The rookie left tackle, Tyler Smith has played well. I think he's played beyond others. uh, Many people's expectations. Uh, He's, a monster in the running game and he's holding up in the passing game and that's that helped Cooper Rush but I think one thing Rush does that Dak doesn't Dak because he's been so good for so long you know will try to do things that other quarterbacks don't Cooper Rush has a firm grasp on what his abilities are um, you know and he threw the ball to C.D. Lamb a lot which is you know, what you do if you're a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. Uh, Noah Brown stepped up five catches and five targets for 91 yards. You know, short stuff, I I would have liked to have seen more out of Dalton Schultz. But the running game, you know, Zeke ground out 53 yards. Um, It wasn't great uh, from a overall production standpoint but when you needed a tough yard zeke got you a tough yard tony pollard had a nice touchdown run overall i i think dallas you know they're looking i think they're looking to split the games that Dak is out if they can come out of it at 500 i think they feel like they have a shot right now
1: they're one to know with, with Dak out. yeah and that's the thing they might have written the cowboys obituary a bit too soon well, the next game on the docket featured two 0-1 teams that were both desperate to get a win in the Arizona Cardinals and the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders jumped out to a 23-7 to lead, and if you watch some of the highlights, you saw fans popping champagne. You know what? They were premature cardinals came all the way back tied the game at 23 took it to overtime and used a hunter renfro fumble returned for a touchdown to seal the victory to move to one and one while the raiders dropped to 0 and two in the game though for the cardinals james connor got a little bit nicked up and ended up coming out darrell williams uh, looked a, looked strong at times carrying eight times for 59 yards and a touchdown if James Conner misses time, any interest in Darrell Williams or are you leaning more, you know, Benjamin? Uh,
2: I like Williams. I grabbed a significant amount of uh, Darrell Williams when I was drafting best ball and doing the uh, other people's handcuff strategy. Uh, Darrell Williams was a guy I I drafted late uh, often. Uh, You know, Williams, he's kind of like James Conner in that He's not flashy. He isn't going to break off, you know, 75-yard runs. But he's going to pick up the blitz. He's going to be where he's supposed to on um, passing uh, passing downs. Uh, he's going to hit the hole as the play is drawn up. He's going to turn two yards into three yards and three yards into five yards. Um, he'll be consistent. I, I think the challenge is going to be that uh, – You know, Connor had seven carries. Williams had eight. Benjamin had eight. I think that, you know, Kyler Murray wants to prove stuff. And then when they get down close, Kyler will get scrambling around and running like crazy himself and kind of taking some of that stuff. I, I, I like Williams. You know, he's probably flex worthy, whereas there are times I would probably have. Connor as a, an RB too. Uh, But Williams, I could see getting enough work to be flex worthy uh, as long as he's productive. But I think if if he goes out and he's having a game where he's carried it seven times for 12 yards, then I think Kingsbury is going to be like, well, let's throw, you know, Benjamin and see what he can do.
1: Yeah. I tend to be like you. I I think he could end up being an interesting flex option, but what, what I find curious is, I thought one of his strengths was being a decent receiver, and yet of Connor Benjamin and him, he had the least productivity in the passing game, and that's kind of been true the last couple of weeks. I think Arizona is probably going to split between him and Benjamin, even if Connor misses, and that makes me a little nervous. Flex is not bad, but I think those people hoping we might see like an RB two or or a better. Performance should probably moderate expectations. On the flip side, the Raiders, not a great game for them again. uh, They had a decent lead and let that all slide away. Their offense seemed to take a dirt nap in the fourth quarter and then really went to pot uh, in... Overtime. Hunter Renfro fumbled actually on consecutive plays. They managed to get the one back and then he, uh, then he gave one up. They got returned for a touchdown. He's now in concussion protocol, um, which isn't great. Given what the depth of the AFC in general and the AFC West specifically is, a time to be concerned about the Raiders. Well, I'll tell you if I fumble on
2: consecutive plays, you can damn well bet I'm going to tell them it happened on the first one. Um, you know, I don't. Th- the The biggest issue with the Raiders uh, is the division they play in. You know, they've got a lot of really good teams in the division with them, and going down zero and two to start the season is going to be problematic. They're they're in a hole. Um, I you'd like lo- obviously you'd like to see more than two catches on seven targets for Devontae Adams. Um, it's I, I, after I, I don't know if they just they were like wow I can't believe we threw Adams 17 targets in week one and they overcorrected and outsmarted themselves. Um, I mean but there's a reason Devonte Adams earned 17 targets uh I, I yeah, think it was that
1: interesting on the broadcast uh, in the end of the fourth quarter it, uh, I think Trent Green was their color man but he was actually saying it might be time. For you to start forcing the ball to Devontae Adams. I don't know why they forgot he's on the team. It's, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's
2: kind of, it, it bottles the mind. <clears throat> I, I don't know that, uh,
3: Football fans, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. And, as an added bonus for Week 1, everybody can experience the thrill of DraftKings with early win promotion. It's simple, bet on an NFL team to win, if your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN, that is T-P-P-N, and get $200 in free bets instantly. When you place a $5 bet this Sunday, that is code TP. He and only at DraftKings book sports book, draft Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the descriptions for the episode for details.
2: You know, Hunter Renfro, great story, productive in the role that he plays. Darren Waller, better story, productive in the role that he plays. But man, when you've got Devontae Adams, you get Devontae Adams the ball. Uh, I don't know, Josh Jacobs, 20 carries for 69 yards. I think some of that is just not you know, the offensive line not coming together. I don't know what what you you experienced the Josh McDaniels um process for a number of years. Is he the does he go the you know the way of Frank Reich and out coach himself at times. Is that what happened? To you?
1: I do. I do think that happens. Um, some, you know, I think coming out of that Patriots' tree, a lot of them are ingrained to believe that in their system and believe that the system is best. It was confounding to see the defense kind of fall apart and the team fall apart there at the end. I thought for sure the Raiders were going to win. Um, you know, I thought they'd have a good home showing. They have that big lead, so I think there's definitely work to be done. Uh, Yeah, I
2: I, I just, I mean, I'm reminded of Woody Hayes. And, you know, after a game one time, they said, Coach, you ran the same play 23 times. Did you ever think of changing it? And he said, why would I change it if they couldn't stop it? And you see these NFL coaches, they have something that works, and then they just stop doing it.
1: I mean my only thought is they were trying to get Renfro involved which which was good but the you know they apparently were also trying to get Mac Collins involved which makes no sense. Before we get to our next game we got a question. Uh, Jack says he traded Justin Jefferson, Travis Etienne and Rashad Bateman for Jonathan Taylor, Keenan Allen and Michael Thomas PPR league. How do you feel about the trade? Well,
2: I'm I'm pretty good to get rid of ETN. I, you know, yeah. oh, so you traded for Jonathan
1: Taylor. Yeah, um, I guess it depends on what your running back situation is. Because if you needed a running back, you really made great strides, and you got a couple of receivers. But for me, I probably would say Jefferson, Etienne, and Bateman was. And, and, the better and side. I have to
2: re—I have to remember. I'm hoping if it's if it's Dynasty, I I probably yeah, I'm assuming it's Dynasty. I want Jefferson and Bateman, but if it's redraft, and I think that's great, you go get the stud running back. Um, and then you've got two serviceable wide receivers, uh, especially when
1: Allen gets back. Speaking of another team that could use a, a stud running back, the Seattle Seahawks, fresh off their upset win, went into San Francisco riding high and came out a little bit flatter. They lost 27-7. to The big news in that game is that Trey Lance broke his ankle and is out for the season. Jimmy G coming in, leading the way most of the way there. We will look at San Francisco in a minute, but first I want to ask you, this one's probably going to hurt you a little bit. Seattle Seahawks on the ground game. We saw Three different running backs use four if you count the interception that they let DJ Dallas throw for reasons surpassing understanding. The three running backs getting carries in Penny, Walker, and Homer combined 12 carries for 34 yards, not a ton in the passing game either. What are you doing with this backfield? Well, nothing says I want to win
2: like Travis Homer getting the most running back snaps on your,
1: your, your team. You know, Followed closely by the DJ as quarterback. <laughs> so, no, Homer, I
2: mean, I mean, while Homer led the running backs in snaps, he only played 22 or 47, 45%. Um, Penny was 41. I don't know, man. Uh, Walker only played 12 snaps, 24%. Dallas played two snaps, one of which he threw the ball on. Uh, it seems going in that, you know, it's Rashad Penny is the starter. Travis Homer is the passing down back. And Kenneth Walker is the change of pace. And that's how they used them. Just nobody was productive. And, you know, when nobody's productive, it's easy to say, oh, that that didn't work and it was stupid. Um, but it was 14 rushes and... 30 attempts. So they only had 44 offensive plays. Yeah. So the pace was really, really low. Um, Geno Smith is what Geno Smith is, you know, sub 200 yards passing on 30 attempts, you know, one interception. He, d- he didn't make pick up uh, first downs with runs like he did the first week. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a great game, uh, nine catches for 107 yards. Uh I don't know. I feel like in dynasty, you know. Here's my thing. I'd love. I want to go by I, I want to go out and acquire DK Metcalf because of how talented he is. But I'm not a hundred percent sure that Pete Carroll retires after this year.
1: But I do think they're going to get a quarterback. I, I, th- I think that their long term strategy is a quarterback. I also think. I'm not going to judge the rushing game by this this game because we saw San Francisco's defense take apart Chicago's running game last week, and David Montgomery looked pretty darn good against a good Green Bay defense last night. 15 carries, 122 yards. I'm thinking there are going to be better days. The concern for me would be what you said. It seems like it's a real – committee like here penny take the first two downs and then we'll throw it to travis homer and then we'll put kenan walker in for a, i don't know if on an offense we don't think is going to be very good or very prolific anyone's going to get enough touches to be a rock solid start
2: yeah you're relying on a big play and we've seen penny make big plays but i think he needs more than six touches to make it happen
1: on the flip side, the big news of the day was it was Trey Lance, um, who broken an ankle. He's already had surgery. He is out for the year. I think we saw with Jimmy G coming in, and what we saw last year, this offense probably is going to be fine for San Francisco. But what about Lance? Uh, kind of got a red shirt year. His first year, only a couple of starts. Basically, plays a game. Now he gets the a quarter. medical red shirt year. <laughs> How? How are we feeling about him long-term? Should there be any concern if you're rostering him in Dynasty?
2: I th- I think so because, you know, mental reps matter, but you've got to create that muscle memory. And in football, getting, getting comfortable doing all of that stuff is, is important you know i'm a big subscriber to the uh, 10,000 hours the malcolm gladwell tipping point stuff i think the more you do something the better you get until it becomes uh unconscious well if you're not if you're not playing you're not going to get there and for the, about 3 years now lance hasn't been playing and now he's out again it's it's concerning um, and very lucky that they decided to keep um, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Westbrook-Akini down to the two-yard line. Um, Buffalo's up 7 nothing. by the way. Some dude named Gilliam I've never heard of
1: scored a touchdown. Because, of course. Um, Those Monday Night Miracles, how are they coming, people? <laughs> how are they coming? But
2: I, I'm... I, I am concerned because when he was playing, it was run the ball. It it wasn't throw. You know, w- we look at Justin Fields and he's not throwing the ball either. And and so now it's like, can that, can that, that offense worry. really
1: work? They said based on game one and how he started game two before he got injured, Trey Lance was on pace for like two hundred carries. That doesn't seem like a good long-term strategy and he ran a lot in his limited showings last year and i think that would be the you know he got injured last year in his limited you know getting banged around gets crunched up this year the 49ers invested so much in him you have to figure he he comes back and he's going to be the guy again next year but that's the worrying thing to me you're talking about a style of play that isn't great and now player who seems to be getting put in a you know that's that's honestly that's why debo wanted the money He's right. like if you're going to
2: if you're going to use me like this i want the money up front yep. um and then ty ty davis price is out for 4 to 6 weeks with a high ankle sprain now
1: sometimes i wonder about the 49ers training room though they they manage to go through players like water The next game we expected the Rams were going to come out and be fired up after 11 days or 10 days off to get a win at home. And you know what they did? They won 31-27 against the Falcons. But they had a 28-3 lead and let the Falcons score 24 unanswered points before they managed to rally. Uh, We'll get to the Rams in a minute. On the Falcons' side, Drake London, another big game. 12 targets, 8 catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Meanwhile, Kyle Pitts was there blocking, making sure that Marcus Mariota had time to find his best receiver. Are you excited about Drake London? I am excited about Drake London. Uh, Kyle Pitts had a really high
2: route percentage as well. He he did block some because he is a tight end, but he was involved in a lot of routes. Um, I think uh, London is really paving the way for next year when Desmond Ritter is the quarterback and they're able to invest some money in some more offensive linemen. Calvin Ridley comes back. You know, there's some concern about Arthur Smith. Um, I don't think he's shown himself to be Matt Rule level of competent, um, but I think he's, you know, walking down that hall maybe. Um I I like I like Drake London a lot. He's everything we thought he was going to be and uh
1: hopefully he stays healthy. I guess I'm inclined to give Smith a little bit more of a pass because I think the Falcons' have some roster issues and they're in the middle of a rebuild particularly this season i don't even know if they should be trying to win if we're being honest on the flip side the defending champion should be trying to win um and they got out to a pretty strong start we got a Early touchdown from Allen Robinson. We got some early carries from Cam Akers just to make the people feel better. Uh, But then, you know, Cooper Cup lost a fumble. A couple more interceptions from Matthew Stafford. They made things a little bit interesting still. Eric Henry touchdown. Hey, look, maybe you'll be able to trade him. Cam Akers got a little bit more involved, got 15 carries, only 44 yards, sub three yard average, kind of what we were seeing last year. Caught a couple of passes. Are you feeling any better about him after week two? Uh,
2: Not, not really. I mean, he got opportunity, but he wasn't necessarily productive with it versus what is kind of considered a not really good defense. So, yeah, he carried it 15 times, but I don't know that 2.9 yard average. Uh, Henderson, 10 carries, outrushed uh, Cam Akers. So if it's me, I think I I mean I think they should still give the ball to Henderson. Let let Akers be the backup, go
1: 60-40 with it and, and ride that wave. Yeah. It's, you know, it's amazing to see what you said about James Robinson. He probably didn't have the burst up that people thought Akers did to start with, but the same injury, kind of similar coming back, and Robinson just looks so much stronger. I don't know if it's all offensive line, if Akers isn't as good as people thought, but that not being able to get over three yards of carry, if you really looked, we were amazed because he came back on such a short timeline and was getting volume last year, but he wasn't efficient with any of his work in the playoffs and the Super Bowl run for the Rams, and we've seen that continue. I mean, at least he had positive yards today. Well, Akers'
2: issue has always been that he doesn't have great vision, and he's been able – you know, in college he made up for poor vision by just being more athletic than everybody else. And he came to the NFL, and he was making that work to an extent. Now, without the athleticism, without the explosion, uh, he's not able to cover up that lack of vision. James Robinson has really good vision. You know, we we see it all, you know, Alfred Morris was slow. Um, But, man, he looked great when he was playing for Washington. He put up some big, big seasons. Great vision and a great scheme. He just always able to see the hole. Akers doesn't see the hole. I think Henderson sees the hole. He just can't
1: withstand carrying the ball 18 times a game. On to the game of the afternoon. The Houston Texans in to play the Denver Broncos, who got a coaching performance from Nathaniel Hackett that made Vic Fangio look like Bill Belichick. The Broncos, despite a myriad of penalties and the fact that the home crowd had to count down the play clock so they could actually get a fucking snap off, (laughs) managed to get the win 16 to 9. More on the depressing Broncos in a minute, but let's look at the Texans. Nico Collins kind of coming out there. Got nine targets, only one fewer than Brandon Cooks. Caught four of them for 58 passes. Are you feeling him as a wide receiver, too, in that offense? I think
2: he is the wide receiver, too, in that offense. Uh, but we want to see him and Cooks both be more productive with, you know, eight catches on 19 targets combined, uh, only, what, 112 yards between them. I, I think we need to see them be more productive. If if you're going to catch four out of nine targets, you want them to be then high leverage targets. So you're getting great big chunks of yardage. Um Fourteen and a half yards, I guess that's that's pretty good. But you want to see like an explosive play, a sixty yard or seventy yard or something like that. Um you know Mills only Mills struggled. He only completed 50% of his passes. Uh still
1: better than Russell Wilson.
2: Yeah. The uh and then Damian Pierce looked good. So I like Nico Collins. I think So you remember the old days, you know, like six years ago when a rookie wide receiver would come into the league and everybody would be like, yeah, you can't really count on him till year two or three. I think Nico Collins falls into that. Uh, If he, if Lovey Smith can keep the job and Davis Mills continues to progress, then I think the opportunity will be there for Collins to take a step next year that I think a lot of people wanted him to take this year, that he just frankly wasn't ready to because he didn't play much last year. Well, now this year he's playing. Um, let let him get some of those reps under his belt. Let him get his 10,000 hours in
1: and, and see what happens next year. You need to look no further uh, to find the Patriots scheme influence on this team than the fact that Rex Burkhead looked like they running back one last week and couldn't even get on the field this week. Uh, on the Broncos side, you know, we made fun of Baker Mayfield's 14 for 29 performance. Russell Wilson wishes he was that efficient. Uh, a woeful 14 of 31, um, 219 yards. Beyond that, the Broncos had myriad penalties. They had a clipping penalty, of course, committed by Melvin Gordon. Who else uh, would possibly do that? A lot of false starts several delay of games they've already had more delay of games in the first two weeks than they had all of 2021 uh, to the point where the home fans unironically started counting down the play clock to make sure they got the ball off fortunately didn't opt for a 65 yard field goal for reasons surpassing understanding but is this growing pains with a new coach and quarterback and scheme or is this emblematic of something that i should start to cry about now so I think, you know, we need to get Russ cooking
2: with a microwave, you know, none of, no, no, no crockpot stuff. He needs to go cook with a microwave. But, you know, other than, you know, up until the last year or two, one of Russ's bugaboos has always been that he's a slow starter. Like the first quarter of his season in Seattle, year after year after year, he just never clicked early. Maybe it's that, you know, maybe it's Maybelline. But I think that if he, you know, he's got to get that that rhythm with the team. Um, Hackett's got to, you know, he's got to find that level with Hackett. I, I think right now after week one and then a couple times this week even where in short yardage at the goal line, they kicked instead of went for it. I don't think Russ feels trusted. I, I don't. I think there are a lot of people that were like, hey, Nate, Nate Hackett played with Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be the Wild West in Denver. And Nate Hackett said, no, I would like a white bread, vanilla sandwich offense, and this is what we're going to do, and that's what's happening right now. So I, I think Hackett's coaching scared right now, And maybe it's because he's calling plays and trying to manage everything else. Uh, I'm never really a big fan of head coaches that have been coordinators their whole career. Uh, Assistants and coordinators, they become head coaches and keep calling the plays. I'm like, you haven't been a head coach before. Let's focus on the task at hand, which is to put your team in the best position. And when you're staring at the play sheet all the time, you're missing stuff. And, and I think Hackett is exemplifying
1: that right now. Brian Dable, excellent play caller, decided not to call plays. His team's 2-0. Nathaniel Hackett was offensive coordinator, did not call plays for the Green Bay Packers, decided to try to be a head coach and take all that on, and it shows. Um, I I think it's pre- – the Raiders may be 0-2 and, and in last place, but – Even despite my lack of affection for Josh McDaniels, they might be in a better situation right now. I one and one has never felt so much like two zero and two. (laughs) Uh, On to the Sunday night game, the one and zero Bears came into Green Bay and faced an angry and ready zero and one Green Bay Packers. So the Packers prevailed twenty seven to ten, thanks in large part to a twenty one point outburst in the third in the second quarter. Uh, We'll get to the Packers in a minute. On the Bears' side, coming into the game, we had talked about the cause for concern after week one performances for David Montgomery and Darnell Mooney. Montgomery bounced back, actually looked pretty decent. Darnell Mooney, not so much. The Bears only threw it 11 times. Mooney saw two targets, caught one pass for negative four yards. So in the PPR league where he made a reception, he got less than one point. We had high hopes for Mooney coming into the season. Is it time to be a little bit concerned?
2: Yeah, I think you have to be right now for whatever reason. Um, Eber Floos and who's the OC there? Getzy?
1: Yeah, Luke Getzy. Yeah, uh, let's I, get rid of all these green – you know, there's a reason My, Mike, uh, Mike LaFleur or Matt LaFleur wasn't that bummed to see all of his offensive right. coaches going. One of them's in Chicago. Two of them are in Denver. <laughs> Uh, I I just think that
2: – I mean, G- Chicago is maybe trying to cover up their poor offensive line uh, and also the habit Justin Field has of holding the ball too long by just running it like crazy and not having him pass. I mean, maybe just create a game plan – roll him out, give him half the field, let him make some decisions, and and let him grow a little bit. But you're not... I I get that uh, New England won a game last year only throwing the ball three times, but the weather handicapped the other team as well. Uh, You're not going to win games throwing the ball 11 times. Um, To think that Chicago, they got 122 yards on 15 carries from David Montgomery and only scored 10 points. Oh, that's just.
1: And seven of them were on the opening drive.
2: Yeah, it's just it's amazing. Now, you've got to let some people, you've got to, you know, I have a philosophy in management, and it's make new mistakes. I'm okay if you make a mistake but don't keep making the same mistake over and over. And it's like, they're not willing to let fields make new mistakes, get him out there, let him make new mistakes, let him learn. He didn't, he he was ill prepared last year by the head coach. Uh, They've had all off season with him to get him prepared. I, I don't know why you're not putting him in a position to perform.
1: You know, one of the things that made me laugh the hardest—I don't know if you were listening to the Sunday night broadcast—but Chris Collinsworth talking endearingly about uh, Matt Everfluce talking about how he doesn't go into meetings with notes. He likes right. to just walk in there with not sure what he's going to say, look people in the face, and just you know communicate with them. And it's been really refreshing. You know what? That offense that tracks. <laughs> I I'm of the opinion right now. You know, I'm probably still playing Montgomery, but. There is no bear, I feel confident, starting until we can see some kind of consistency. We had hopes that Cole Komet might take a, a step forward and that would be fine. But, well, maybe you didn't. Other people did. The, you're right. The passing volume's. Not there. Uh, On the flip side, the Packers, uh, after laying an egg in week one, they got Alan Lazard back, but he wasn't exactly the dominant feature. It was Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Uh, The two combined for 33 carries. Jones went for 132 yards and a touchdown on the ground, also saw three targets, caught them all for 38 yards and a touchdown. The rest of the offense, Aaron Rodgers pretty well spread it around. Uh, got 93-yard receiving day from Sammy Watkins on three receptions. Lazard gets a touchdown but only sees three targets. Cobb sees three targets. Dub sees three targets. Tanyan sees two targets. Watson sees three targets. If you take the running backs, knowing that you're probably going to play them, is this what we would expect from Green Bay, you think, this season spreading the ball around among these receivers without being able to pinpoint a dominant receiver like they have had in years past with Adams? Uh, I I think
2: until Watkins' hamstring acts up, maybe so. Um, <laughs> but once Watson's hamstring tightens up here in a week or so, then I think Lazard will move into that seven or eight target Uh territory on a consistent basis, maybe eight to 10 targets. It's the first week back for Lazard. Um, you know, Sammy is a professional wide receiver. He's good at that. He just, for whatever reason, it's, he's not put it together. Can He, he became old Julio, you know, even though he's like eight years younger way before old Julio became old Julio. And, I I think it's, you know, they're going to spread it around. But at some point, somebody is going to become the one there. And I feel like that's Lazard. That's what they've talked about. That's what they've been planning to do. But it's going to be – it's not going to be the one like Devontae Adams was the one.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting – game, I do think they're going to spread it around more among receivers, and you're not going to have that dominant uh, Devontae Adams kind of receiver, but I do think Lazard will end up uh, leading the team in targets among wide receivers. But I always thought it was going to be a heavy dose of the running backs, and I think that's what we're going to get offered. Before we get out of here, Greg sent us a trade question. He said he got offered Mike Evans, George Kittle, and Travis Etienne for Alvin Kamara, Allen Robinson, and Elijah Moore in PPR. He says his tight ends are Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon. I mean,
2: that helps your tight end quite a lot. Um I'm going to see, looking at it from a dynasty perspective, um, I still want the Kamara side. I don't want to give up e- Elijah Moore. Um, I think A-Rob's still got a couple seasons. He's going to be just fine as the wide receiver, too. You know, Evans is, is an older receiver, and while he's on his way to the Hall of Fame, Kittle struggles with injuries. He's out again already this year. Uh, and etn, I don't think is I, I don't think he's a, a, an elite back. And so i the best prospect in this whole mix is Elijah Moore. Um, he's head and shoulders above etN as a prospect. The other four guys are all kind of old. so well, I encourage you to go get a better tight end with those tight ends. Um, I don't think uh, I would sacrifice uh,
1: Elijah Moore to do it yeah i mean without knowing your running back and wide receiver depth it's a little bit difficult i do agree with dennis makes a difference for me if it's dynasty but even in redraft i'm kind of ambivalent about that trade because kittle on paper is an upgrade but i'd like to see him string together a few decent games um, before i felt rock solid on that i do feel your pain though with comet and tanya Um, just haven't gotten a lot of production there Well, that is going to wrap it up for us as Dennis is already watching the first game of Monday Night Football is going. And at least the teams have both scored at least once. What's the current? It's
2: 7-7. Tennessee's driving. Uh, Traylon Burks just made a play moving Tennessee into Buffalo territory. Man, I love my new TV in the studio.
1: Well, let's hope the uh, Buffalo Bills get it together. And then, of course, the uh, prime game, which is actually airing on ABC uh, tonight, is the uh, Minnesota Vikings at the Philadelphia Eagles. We will be back on Wednesday. Matt and I will be back with our top 12s, a look at both of these games, and a preview of the Thursday night football game, which is Pittsburgh and Cleveland, I believe. So uh, I'm sure Matt will have more The brawl at the mall. Yep, and I believe Pittsburgh already has uh, ruled <laughs> ruled out some players. So obviously they're getting off to a great start going into the week. But as we get out of here, Dennis, what should the people do? They should rate and they should review.
2: Who is that? Who's number two? <laughs> Thought it might be Josh Gordon. It was a long, lanky Titan. Um, no, they should. No, that's what Robert Woods just made a nice run. Oh, but there was a flag. Nice catch. Rate and review. Uh, I'll try to keep the my game watching at a minimum going forward. I promise.
1: They need to not prepare
0: for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on If you got your pop on it. I came like out the wrong side ready and He's in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honest Throw it up above his head. They can't jump the me. Golly! lead. Oh, Only tackle him in the four-year. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can <laughs> <laughs>